0: Well, Brent is gay, and Kalen's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's homo superior. Issue
1: 155, I'm Kalen.
0: I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. And this week, we've got a new Dune trailer and news about that uh, movie. Uh, Disney is coming under fire. There are a few show cancellations. And then, as always the comic book issues. But first, Kalen, we have an exciting announcement.
1: Yeah, good news, everyone. Uh, Starting September 21st, you can listen to the start of our podcast crossover series, Crossing Swords, an X-Podcast crossover over event, where we're teaming up with the other X-Podcasts, including X-Reads Podcast, House of X, and the Wolverine Podcast that goes to Nick, and Comic Book Queers to review the impending Ten of Swords storyline first issue is going to be coming out on um, uh, September 21st, which will be an alpha issue uh, like you would normally have for a crossover, and it's going to have representatives from all the pods, and we're going to go through everything you need to know uh, to get you ready for Tennis Swords. Plus, what's, what, here's something I'm really excited about. Each week, we're going to have a special guest from a different podcast on to discuss the issues of that week, and then we're also going to do a separate podcast to cover the news and any other comics that are not X-related. So, we're going to have a lot of content uh, starting in, uh, later in September through October, November, and even in early December. So, with that, Brent, I'm going to turn it back over to you.
0: All right. Uh, so, very exciting for some people, very ominous for others. Uh,
1: <laughs> I'm scared. <was> coming right <laughs> Spooky season. Yeah, you're spooked.
0: Dilla's <laughs> uh, Villanova's uh, Dune just got its first trailer, and we get our first glimpse of Arrakis, the spice melange. And what the ageless Timothy Chalamet will look like on a respirator in 80 years? What do you guys think, Caleb? Um,
1: I've been excited about this for a while. I love the novel. I've seen every like film uh, adaptation iteration you can name it. Um, I think Delos Villeneuve uh, is a phenomenal director. I love Blade Runner 2049 and Arrival. Um, I will say the trailer got me kind of excited, but aesthetically, it reminded me a lot of um, David Lynch's Dune from the 80s. Uh, I think they kept a lot of that sort of HR, uh, Giger or Geiger, however you pronounce his last name. Okay. Like Geiger? Yeah, the latter. <laughs> how. Uh, Giger.
0: You know, like,
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and it, it seems like uh, the palette is very gray and brown which is like, okay, this is a serious movie, but I like a little, you know, like a little flair in my sci-fi. Uh, but it looks great. It's a great cast. I don't know, special effects look awesome. I can't wait.
2: and I picture you being like, I wish there were like small animals and blue milk and lines <laughs> that went nowhere. If only
3: I could have that in my space fair. <laughs> it's very Force Awakens. We got Tatooine there. We got just some <laughs> space junk. There's some box you shouldn't put your hand in. Like, it, just, yeah, it does look like
2: it. The snake from Beetlejuice is also in the movie, I can see, at the end. Is that... He's getting work. He does not look good after 30 years. I, um,
0: I got a lot of, uh, uh, like, what if we took, made uh, Starship Troopers a serious movie?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I do. So, Kayla, I know you're, you're a very big pan, fan of the source material, and I think I've always said I would love Star Wars to be like Game of Thrones, and you're like, great, read or watch Dune, and I'm like, okay. So I am very excited for it. I know... And when did you start reading it? What's up?
3: When did you start reading it, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm.
2: When I read the uh, credits at the end of the movie when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, no, I'm very I'm excited. Uh, I love uh, all of the the movies of the director. So I have very good faith that they're, you know, hard at work. I know that he's having a tough time, I think, final editing in quarantine is I think the last we heard of him. Uh, But I'm glad a trailer finally got out. It certainly got me excited enough to say I would rent that on demand um, while trapped at home. Um, But I think, in general, the thing that sticks out to me, which I know that this is not Dune's fault because it basically originated a lot of the sort of genre, at least in the U.S., is around the like young one stepping up and, and kind of ruling. I don't know if I don't know how the movie's actually gonna play that out. I don't know how much is in the book. I think it was just the preview made, especially because both Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet look like they're 12 uh, constantly and always. Uh, no matter how old they get. So I think it's much more my mind playing tricks on me and my own impending existentialism of death. But I'm very, uh, very much excited for the movie. I I don't know how to
1: follow that. I don't know how to follow up with existentialism like that. (laughs) Uh, I mean, yes, like a lot of the cliches that we think about in science fiction and fantasy, the sort of like the young chosen one, um, a lot of that, while Dune didn't invent it, it sort of like perfected it and then it became much more complex. So I'm curious to see how that sort of plays out with, with especially people who don't know the source material. But I sort of feel like this movie is for people who know the source material. It's like Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. You know, even if you haven't read the books, you kind of know the story. You kind of know the story of Dune. Uh, The thing I think what's smart, what they're doing is they're breaking up the movie into two parts uh, because the book is so complex um, that when in the 80s, when they tried to do it, uh, David Lynch had a five-hour version, which if you've ever seen it on TV or, you know, I think they released it on DVD like 10, 15 years ago, um, it's boring as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like a two-hour version, uh, a theatrical version, maybe a little bit more than two hours, uh, that is indecipherable. It's just like, wait a minute, wait, how did characters go from here to here? That doesn't make any sense. Was, uh, it's David Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> and then David Lynch took his name off of it. So it's like his name, it's an Alan Smithy film, uh, which everybody knows is that when a director takes their name off a property, they, they use Alan Smithy as a pseudonym, but.
3: <laughs> I, I, I think the performances look like they will be really good. I'm excited for that. I like the entire cast. That's probably my, the thing that I think will pull the, through the, the, the movie through no matter what and also it just looks so visually stunning i i do think it looks nice actually yeah agreed okay. like, um, so even if it's like terrible and it's fucking almost 4 hours long or whatever like I, you could just get high and watch it and it'll probably be a good movie in general brent
0: so speaking of the entire the the cast being so good mm. do you get any of the production anxiety of like oh no they have like a really really good cast this is going to be like Uh, love actually or (laughs) or whatever like the reason why (laughs) so many star-studded people isn't because it's going to be like amazing as a result it's like to distract you from the rest of the production yeah
3: i mean yeah do you this is the next valentine's day is what you're saying basically (laughs) Uh, that that would be horrifying but i'm kind of on board for that if it was that terrible like a sci-fi thriller oh it would be that movie with um valerian yeah no there's so many out there actually (laughs)
4: um
0: no he was in medicals of riddick
3: yes that too oh um but there was a so, jupiter ascending jupiter ascending. yes I there's he was
1: in magic might too <laughs> yeah only one reference i know amazing amazing
2: did anyone watch the sci-fi series that what they did because i heard that that was like obviously too low budget to handle the content but was actually a big step up from a actual content
1: delivery perspective well, yeah, I did. And I actually owned it on DVD back in the day uh, because it was very close to the source material. And then what they ended up doing, and this is what I hope the movie is so successful that they go into the the subsequent books. They did Dune and then they did Children of Dune, which was the next- Right. There's six novels. Uh, and I think from a movie perspective, I'd love for them to do at least the first three, like Dune, uh, Children of Dune, and- um, I think uh, like, Grandchildren I of Dune. The grandchildren <laughs> of Dune,
3: yeah. Uh, Okay, so there there's a huge gaping issue at the end of uh, <laughs> this trailer. So uh, so with much. that said, uh, get out all your gay giant hole jokes right now. Does anyone have? No. So any- when I was a kid, when
4: I was a kid, I thought Dune was the movie Tremors because they both had some giant sandworm thing, and I haven't really gotten over it because. I, I've i never seen Dune because I didn't like Trimmers as a kid. My brain just won't accept the fact that they're different things.
2: But that snake is synonymous with Dune. Like, everyone knows that desert oh. snake thing. Does Is it actually that big of a part of the books or the yeah, lore? Absolutely. OK. Oh, okay. Um, my thing for it was that uh, it's bigger on the inside, I think, is very fitting, especially at the end of that movie. Um, that's my gay joke, it's really not Doctor good. Doctor
0: Who? <laughs> right, I guess for me, my problem is, I, I, I just get, am tired of every story with any modicum of sci-fi. If it's set in space, the big animal's a whale. If it's set on the ground, the big animal's a sandworm. Enough already, it's been done a million times, come up with some other giant creature. What like, else? You know, I've yeah. seen the puckered asshole before. Bunny, what do you want? Yeah, I guess a bunny would be better.
2: Yeah, all right. Name your, what do you want in space, and then what do you want on the ground? I want a giant stingray on the ground, and I want a giant flying octopus and when you say a
0: stingray on the ground do you mean just like a beach
2: like a sand ray like it's like it's it's still in the sand because you know no planets can exist with grass so it's always it's always a desert where they get attacked by the giant monster so if, if we're doing that but if it's greenery maybe i am on this bunny idea could you imagine like you see this giant hole and you're like what do you think that is and there's like all this rumbling and then this thing pops out of the grout, still wants to eat you, but it's just I mean, like it's, a,
4: little, a little bunny. It's very Monty Python.
2: Uh, there's no originality in anything. Either.
4: No, you fool. I want it to be like a shopping cart in space, and that's the monster <laughs> that's coming after you. And I'm trying to think on the ground. Like, like, it has uh, no like,
0: problem breathing in space, obviously. <laughs> I want it
4: to be like a baby porcupine, not just a porcupine. So it's something with very soft quills that can just roll over and die, but it's evil.
0: I think the 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 armored creatures underground, like like a pangolin or an arm, mm. would be fun. But I don't know if my primal brain is scared of those, like in a way right. that I'd be scared of like a giant worm that's kind of like a snake or giant spiders. But that's also been done.
4: Aren't armadillas the only other animal that can get syphilis? <laughs> uh,
0: I don't know about syphilis. <laughs> uh,
2: uh, chlamydia, yes. Syphilis. I'm gonna Google it. I gotta find out. It's very important. Per, per,
0: I mean, tons day. of tons of animals get chlamydia, right? Koalas, that dog I fucked. Uh.
2: <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> Yikes. Which one? That's
2: what I want in space—the dog that Brent had sex with. No, I like like
0: the kind of like amorphous creatures, like like the ones that (laughs) galaxy, or they're like a storm cloud.
2: It's leprosy, not syphilis, either. (laughs) Or (laughs) both, both are sexually transmitted. Fun fact. I mean, they both involve losing parts of your body
0: face if yeah, I don't know what I gave that dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: did it? Uh, I heard that Dune's release date got pushed back. Is that true?
0: It is true. Um, it was originally supposed to be scheduled to be released, um, I think December 18th. And also Wonder Woman 1984 was supposed to be released in on October 2nd. But both of those dates are being pushed back by at least a few months. Most likely because of how poorly Christopher Nolan's Tenant did in theaters. So, like, it cost two hundred million. It only made a tenth of that in the U.S. over eleven days. It's made a lot more internationally, like a hundred and thirty million. So, it's not gonna lose money altogether. But it's yeah. less as a blockbuster than they were expecting, and they delayed that as well. You know, obviously, people are still afraid to go to movie theaters. Okay. can't get uh, its shit together and there's like a very low likelihood of widely distributed vaccines available by November I mean pushing yeah. the Wonder Woman probably um, Black Widow is going to get pushed probably um, No Time to Die is going to get pushed our production studios just going to cannibalize themselves in November and December by like trying to have all these movies come out at the same time
4: I don't, I don't really tr- think anything's going to come out. I mean, they might, I don't know. People are questioning whether Disney's going to put uh, like they did with Mulan, which we'll talk about in a second, um, Black Widow on Disney And they're definitely, I heard a lot of talk about the fact that that pic- new Pixar movie soul that was yeah. supposed to come out. They're just going to mm-hmm. shove that and do the same thing with Disney plus. Let's make any kind of money
2: out of any of these things that they're just squeezing lemons now. I do think it's interesting. It would be interesting to see how, like, I'm, I am mean, I get why everyone's making proactive actions because it's a shitload of money we're talking about. But I do find it interesting that they're not sort of letting tenant run the full course, which is like, obviously they released it probably because of contracting and having to be in theaters. But it's like, I wonder how many more people will actually buy it when it comes out, because that's always the first way you do video on demand. So, I mean, it's still going to be less, obviously, than ticket sales, but, like, I don't know if they have a real full picture on what the economic profile is and, like, how many more people bought this movie on video on demand than what they might have projected if we weren't in COVID world. I mean, regardless, I think it's, a, it's all of a negative scenario, but I don't
0: know. Brent? I mean, those... Like, a, a blockbuster movie like that, I think... A lot of it depends now on its ability to gain traction among people that you've got the average person going, Oh my gosh, Interstellar, it looks so crazy. Let's check it out. You have to go see it. And while they do, they spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars on trying to advertise these things. There is a part of it after it's out that like if you find out tenant has the same rotten tomato score. As interstellar, and but you also run the risk of getting a disease. Uh, I think it <laughs> disinclines people from you know watching it now, or you know waiting to get it when it's like eighteen dollars. You know, I don't, I don't understand why all these production companies were were this ambitious to try and think that like things would be solved by October, November, right. December, when no expert said it would be over by then. Uh, Clark.
4: Exit scores for this movie are a lot weaker than there's Interstellar as well. Right. So just word of mouth coming through. Supposedly it has just the audio mixing is horrible to the point where you can't hear incredibly important plot points underneath people on boats and shit and water and music and all this kind of stuff going on. This movie, like a lot of his movies, is designed to watch at home on a really fucking nice screen with correct audio because it's, I don't know, every single review I read mentioned, but the main issue was this, the fact you can hear. Definitely if I watched this movie at the drive-in, I would not know what the fuck was going on, what anyone was saying, because it's just already, you know, it's a drive-in theater. So
0: After interesting audio the, already. They'll release the director's sound editing cut. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, guys, I'm just
0: really in the mood to watch Interstellar now, though.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, it wasn't that bad I, was bad
1: yeah.
0: you guys, uh, I mean, Caitlin, you must be excited that Dune is probably going to get pushed back, given the fact that they were like basically begging to get more time to do any of this editing. But for sure,
1: no, make it like make it sound and look as great as possible. And I also look, this is a movie I want to see in a theater when we can go back to theaters. Um, this is something that I think I want to have that kind of shared experience with people and it's something One of the things I miss the most I think Uh, during during COVID, um, just Being in a movie theater and being able to laugh with other, you know, viewers and like kind of like You know, feel like the same like impact of the film uh, and Dune would be a great
0: one for that All right Um, so moving on, uh, we've we've mentioned it before but um, Disney is now facing criticism for thanking the Xinjiang government's uh, publicity department and the public security and tourism bureaus for Turpan, which is a city lo- located outside of Xinjiang's capital. Um, they, they were thanking them at the end of their reboot of the movie Mulan. Um, if you haven't been following the news, Xinjiang is a territory in western China where at least 2 million Muslim Uyghurs and Turks are basically being treated as a terroristic threat for no reason, and they're being forced into re-education and conversion camps. It's very clearly a massive human rights violation, and we know at the very least, Disney scouted several filming locations in Xinjiang, and may have actually filmed some parts there, but they have not um, commented to the press on it. Um, It's very clear that Chinese government has put pressure on U.S. film companies to only show the Chinese and China in a positive light, or else their films can end up being banned. And I think it creates a massive problem as far as you know freedom of expression and you know how much the U.S. film industry uh, is, how far it's willing to go in order to get extra money. What are y'all guys' uh, thoughts on this, Ryan? I
3: I I think it's funny how we we figure. Disney being one of the biggest corporations in the entire world has like not done some corrupt like crazy stuff this is just one thing of they they actually got caught like doing it but it's so very clear that this they're in in so many bad like things going on in this company it's so obvious I mean it's a huge company so this is bound to happen it's not any one person's fault except maybe the person who's scouting locations <laughs> and maybe the person putting in. it so no. <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's just funny that we're like they they've done so much more effed up stuff like it's it's pretty funny to think that this is the one thing we're concentrating on in this mass corporation kalen
1: i mean uh, yeah i agree with ryan here it's like you know they had such a squeaky clean image here and now this and then on top of it with Disney World reopening, Disneyland reopening, them uh, basically when employees or whatever they call them, cast members, they have been uh, tested as positive for COVID, they've just been sending them back to work, which is like horrific, you know? It's like, what are you doing? Like, like what a way to like, just, you know, mess with the public's faith and just, you know, completely undermine your image of being a good corporate citizen. I don't know. I'm I'm incredibly disappointed in Disney right now.
3: I have a feeling they'll be just fine, though. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, they've, I they've I about that. Black Widow. Yeah, their stocks are as high as they were in,
4: as in February. They finally climbed it back up. Mm. Especially with Mulan and everything, it's making a shit ton of money. It is. But yeah. I don't know. Just watch. Crouching tire, Hidden Dragon, and stuff. I do love the fact action. that Disney removed all the magic from Mulan, but then added different magic into it. it, it, it I don't know the whole. They,
0: they I don't know,
3: shape-shifting woman that turns into a bird all the
4: time. Yeah, Sad and then and every, everyone has like chi powers or Is some Disney? shit.
0: Yeah, not well, everyone,
4: but they talk a lot about it's it. I don't know. This movie should never have been made. I've said it a hundred times on this podcast. This was a bad decision from everybody involved. Except for for China. This was a very good decision
0: for China. Yeah. The the thing that's very striking to me about it is Disney tried to make so many efforts to have the story based in um, Chinese culture. They consulted a lot of experts. They tried to Really get a feel for um, they 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 had like Chinese producers on it, um, and the fact that they are involved in one of the most major human rights violations, you know, kind of going on in the past decade at least, um, kind of shows how the idea of like diversity versus inclusion doesn't just mean listening to producers uh, of color or listening to other people of different cultures, you've actually got to make your system not intentionally harm people uh, by creating propaganda. Uh, Caleb,
1: Well, here's the thing that I'm really worried about. um, And we've talked about this on podcasts. I've certainly mentioned it before is because of not only the human rights violations of China, but the sort of the cultural conservatism of it. Uh, major blockbusters rely on uh, ticket sales, box office sales in China, biggest country in the world, uh, to be able to uh, make a profit or make an exceedingly large profit. And so is this now, at least for the foreseeable future, is this the way that blockbusters are going to go? Is this something that we have to either turn a blind eye to or just say, no, we're not going to consume these things because they're catering to uh, the oppressive Chinese government. I don't know. I mean I think it's a I think it's a worthy conversation to have.
0: It's a hard problem because I think a lot of people don't recognize how filmmaking is an investment for people. And so what or the way a lot of movies get filmed is that someone puts in puts up money and then they get some profit portion off of it. And that profit has to come at a higher rate than you would get from putting into some stocks. And so you know, I don't know if there's some you know, badgering we can do to these corporations to make them agree to not work with um, countries that might give them money but um, are also committing horrific crimes, um, or if there are some other requirements, some embargo we have to do that says, you know, as long as this country is engaging in a genocide, um, American companies aren't allowed to work with them.
1: Yeah.
4: I, we're going to have, I mean, we have to realize that all these big movies have to get Chinese money because we, they can't make, they can't make movies for $300 million, $200 million, $250 million and break even nowadays. That's 250 plus. It's twice that much to do marketing, et cetera, et cetera. They have to get it. So either we have to realize that we're going to have to get worse technology in order to create movies, in order to offset the economics of the situation, or we're gonna have to deal with China.
2: Well, and there is a difference between cutting out, uh, I think we always talk about it for the Eternals, like cutting out a gay kiss uh, for Chinese audiences versus like producing potentially pro-Chinese propaganda idea, right? So, I mean, Mulan's obviously a very specific point in time a specific film um but so i think there's a difference there is a difference there of like when you are filming and creating something that obviously has a a chinese basis versus like are you just simply distributing in that country
1: well I, I i don't want you to minimize like just like you know taking out a gay kiss it's the erasure of identity um you know and the whole idea of like blockbuster films not being able to show same-sex relationships, uh, people of, you know, who have different gender identity, because China is too conservative and doesn't want it in their audience. I mean, I think this is, this is a real problem that we're gonna have to deal with. Yeah, as, but we,
2: as, I hear you, but like America did that for many years,
1: so it's yeah, like. I'm not forgetting it though. It's like we, we're trying to move past it. Where Marvel Comics are actually in their biggest crossover this year, showed a gay marriage, and we'll talk about that in, in a few minutes, but like, and the fact that we may not be able to see that on screen on a big blockbuster because China is uh, going to exer- ex- exercise it from, from the film, I think that's a problem. That's something that we have to like properly discuss,
0: Brent right? I think there's a difference between, so, you know, I, I understand your sentiment, Adam, like if we're just cutting a, a, a quick clip, is that so bad? I think the point, though, is that it creates a chilling effect. So Marvel is never going to produce movies that exactly. really highlight a, a gay character. And you're never going to get a movie that focuses, say, on the corruption of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, instead, you're going to limit, like, yeah, maybe, maybe conservative Chinese audiences still wouldn't like to see a movie that's got a lead gay character. But I also think that, it shouldn't be one organization that has extraordinary power deciding who gets to see what um, and, and you know, kind of erasing different voices in, in China.
2: Yeah, no, totally. I mean, but again, like, that's why there's been such a significant push, obviously, from people across the globe for more inclusion in Marvel movies. And this is even true of, uh, what is it, the Star Wars conversation around race, like, there, I think the com- the more that conversations happen in the universe of just simply pushing for more and more in that way, I think I don't disagree that like obviously one country having a lot more power than they should in terms of funding and determining what that the output like looks like um, is bad. But I think like we already are starting to we are continuing to fight that fight because we're simply asking for even ourselves. Like in the U.S., we don't have we don't have a lot of really un, it's underrepresented communities all the time being like pushed away for other things. So it's like we can also continue to get our own house in order and just in general, it's like there's a push overall we can do rather than just saying this this one country is is going to ruin it for everybody because we all have growth to do. Kaylin, well, it's
1: I'm not just I'm, we're using China as an example, but it's not just one country. It's just to Clark's point, it's because they are the largest country and because they contribute to the profit of these blockbuster films. And the reason why that there has been more inclusion of LGBTQ voices and representation in those films is because it's profitable. It's not because we, we, you know, we marched on the streets, you know, it's not because of Stonewall, all that stuff, sure, contributed. It is more profitable in the U.S. to be LGBTQ friendly than not if you're a corporation. The problem is, China as the example, the country of China, the government of China, there, they are uh, completely removing any mention of homosexuality or any representation of it, any display of it. And it's, it's an erasure of it. And companies are deciding, well, it's more profitable insane. to make money in China versus showing uh, LGBTQ representation. It's dollars and cents.
0: Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, the Chinese government is also currently censoring articles that report any of the negative criticism of Mulan right now as a result of um, people speaking out against uh, Disney thanking um, the government.
2: Yeah, Clark, you got a lot of sniper rifles right on your house, so don't set foot outside. They they know. It's (laughs) fine. I feel like Young Avengers
4: and things with, you know, LGBTQ and that kind of stuff, is going to have to be at an Ant-Man level in terms of how much is being put forward. So they only think they're going to get like $600 back versus billions.
3: Yeah, one thing that... So then
4: they won't have to worry about China as much because they're not expecting as much.
3: And even putting like content like that where it's a little bit more diverse on Disney Plus and stuff like that. So giving that big budget, but not as big budget, and it doesn't have to be the summer blockbuster because... away with diversity in their own way which is nice that at least there's representation but it's also shitty that we can't get that in
2: everything we have. now i'm just living for like a little kid in their bed watching young avengers five years from now but like with their hand on the alternate just like we used to watch the spice channel and all those like porno things but like someone's flipping back and forth between uh disney plus and and something else
0: yeah, um, I want us to start taking some of the shows that we've made like Swamp Thing and selling them to China and then them being terrible and we've got the money now and they've got, you know, Swamp Thing. Power. The people power, yeah. yeah. All right, moving on. Um, in TV news, um, so the adult swim show Venture Brothers has been canceled after 16 years and seven seasons. I'm sure, Kalen, you're crestfallen. uh, But I want to ask, in an age of reboots and uncanceled shows, do you have any uh, hope for the future of Venture Brothers?
1: Um, I I don't, actually. um, And it's funny uh, finding out about the cancellation a few days ago because I read the, um, it's called, like, The Making of Venture Brothers. It was, like, a dark horse, like, big book that had a lot of, like, uh, stuff about the first five seasons, a lot of the conceptual art and everything. And like Jackson Public, uh, uh, who's the, one of the creators of the show, basically said, you know, we're kind of on the bubble every time. We're like, you know, maybe we're going to get renewed, maybe not. It was certainly the most, one of the more expensive shows for Adult Swim. Uh, and at, at some point it just got less and less profitable because unlike a lot of other Adult Swim shows, even during its heyday with like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, and, um, you know, C-Lab 2021, Venture Brothers created its own mythos that like, if you just started watching in the middle of like season three, season four, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Like you definitely have to kind of go back and watch stuff. Uh, and obviously it's easier with streaming and even before that with DVDs and Blu-ray, but look, um, you know, they made every episode uh, or every finale, I should say, kind of a series finale. So it's like, if we're not coming back, it's like, we've said what we want about these characters. Um, they did seven seasons. It lasted 17 years. That's longer than most shows get, especially a show that started off as a parody of Johnny Quest that turned into its own thing uh, and created its own, you know, its own world and its own mythos. So um, sad it's gone, but
3: I'm glad we got seven seasons out of it. You're telling me you don't think some streaming service is gonna pick it up. I mean, it's yes.
1: can't
2: be uh, some Adult swim streaming is service. At, yeah. It could only
3: be HBO Max. Oh, yeah, because they own the radio. Right like,
2: I company. think there's definitely, there's definitely conversations about the contract, because Adult Swim even posted, I don't know if it was just to keep Twitter fans at bay, but they're literally like, we're working <laughs> to try and figure out how they can keep telling stories. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Kelly, it may not be a TV show, maybe it's a comic or whatever it is, yeah. but I don't. I mean, think it's
3: seven property. seasons in a movie, so let's <laughs> I mean, a movie already. Yeah, you know? they that movie. they yeah. were
4: working on right. They were writing this eighth season. They were most of the way through writing the eighth season when they got this information.
1: Yeah, I was um, watching the finale of season seven recently, and it said at the very end, in the closing credits, said "Venture Brothers will return," kind of like what they used to do with James Bond. They do with like, <laughs> uh, you know, the characters. Uh, and I was like, I got a little sad. I was like, no, you're not returning. They might do comics, and it might might be interesting. It's just, like, I've never really enjoyed um, when a show ends and then it continues in another medium, yeah. like, you know, Firefly, Buffy, mostly the Joss Whedon shows. It's like, I, I've stopped caring. Uh, yeah. And so um, what I like about Venture Brothers is it's not only, like, the drawings and the animation, it's the voice acting, too. It's so good. Uh, and it's the banter, the way they do it. And I think something would be lost in the comics in the same way that <laughs> as we reviewed the Rick and Morty uh one shot of uh the uh what's your favorite superhero team uh Rick and the, Morty the the venture the, the Vandy Vandy yeah. like that was just kind of a you know a weak version of Rick and Morty Clark you want to say something
4: oh i know adam has watched danger 5 um this messed up australian tv show that's like
0: it's everyone, so good. like a,
4: The 1960s team that's trying to like kill Hitler. It's an alternate universe kind of, it's completely batshit insane. And then the second season takes place in the messed up 80s world. But anyways, um, they were canceled and they literally just sold every prop that they had so they could make money. And as of April, they they have a um, audible series now. And I literally just listened to it this week and it is hilarious and strange and does work changing between the mediums something is lost but there's some weird weirdness that is also gained in a way yeah like they can make it even more bizarre i'm gonna love that
2: i just i love it
1: i was just gonna say uh for those who haven't watched venture brothers um it's all on hulu i highly recommend it just get past that Pilot, don't even watch the pilot because it's very different from the rest of the series. It's very
3: tough to get through. The
1: pilot's not great, but the first episode's pretty good. And I think the show gets really good halfway through the first season, in the same way that Bojack did. So um, I think for, for all five of us, like of the things that we love, uh, they do such a nice job of lampooning uh, stuff like superhero comics, G.I. Joe, uh, you know, Johnny Quest, as I mentioned before. It's just, it's very, Star Wars, it's very clever.
2: Adam? I was going to say we'd be remiss to not mention it gave us our world's worst uh, podcasting segment of... uh, I regret
0: going to you.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Venture Brothers is going to live on in Dungeons &
1: Dragons. You heard it here. Venture time.
4: That went really well. What are you talking about? All right.
0: Also canceled. Also canceled after... (laughs) Future uh, 11th season is The Walking Dead, but like its zombie theme, we can expect a horrific revitalization of the show with the spinoff of the characters Daryl and Carol. Um,
4: if you show, I I Darryl. Darryl. <laughs> I'm desperate, I'm desperate for like a 90s sitcom where their parents and it's called Daryl and Carol. This <laughs> with like a apostrophe in. I, I really want that now. You the credits are like two minutes long, they're like they used to be then. They have to show every character that's every All right, been. what
0: what who else has ideas for uh this spin-off? What would you, we want you to- already have sixteen spin-offs and they're all
3: mediocre?
1: Fear the walking dead. Okay,
3: so sleep on the walking okay, dead. Okay, so there's an underground submarine where there's zombies now. Space. What else didn't we do yet? I'm pissed at this whole franchise already. It's had enough. Oh, it's- yeah, done. We're done. I want, uh, Wait, have, we,
0: have we done Walking Dead around a volcano? <laughs> <laughs> I
2: I want them to do like re- take over reality shows like Big Brother, Walking Dead, Survivor. Survivor, Walking Dead actually would work.
1: <laughs> oh, RuPaul's Drag Race, Walking Dead. That's <laughs> coming later this year.
2: Walking <laughs> Dead, Dad? best friends, Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle um
4: back in the early days of adam and my friendship we had like a group that would watch walking dead every sunday i think for like the yeah. first few seasons, so we didn't give a shit anymore
3: oh much like the show it's dead
2: it is amazing uh, our like, relationship yeah. as as it has it is it is a completely dead version of itself i i think they're they're because they're they're actually right around the comics but my favorite was that poor woman left the show Her ABC drama got canceled. She went back to it, and now Walking Dead's getting canceled. Lauren Conrad? Yeah.
3: (laughs) Not to be... not Lauren. Not LC. I
2: was just going to say, not the one
0: from the
3: hell. I knew what you were talking about, Clark. You're trolling, but I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So she just goes on TV shows and slays them, right? My favorite character
4: character from Laguna Beach... Was her best friend Lo, who didn't really care about anything and didn't. Yeah, Lo didn't want show. to be on the show, but the no. thing is, no. Lo was way more
3: captivating than the rest of the cast. Oh, she
4: was the best thing about that show.
3: <laughs> but right, we well, have, let's uh, a Clark and I's recap of reality TV shows on another podcast.
4: Only ones from like <laughs> 2001 through 2007, though.
0: <laughs> I'm in. I right, we have a we have a fuck ton of comics. Uh, Kaylin, do you want us? Uh, do you want us to come in your little comics corner?
4: Yeah, yeah, come, come join me. Come in your little comics corner.
3: <laughs> Ew. Dune. That's gross. I know what I said.
1: Uh, so I'm going to start with the Don of X books first. We've got Marauders number 12. It is the full-on resurrection of Kate Pride. She goes on through that full <laughs> ceremony that we saw in Hawks and Pox way back when. Uh, Emma lets Kate know how she was killed. As a reminder, it was that bastard Sebastian Shaw, and he threw Lockheed in a little net thing off the boat. Uh, we do get to see some lovely reunions, including Rachel, Kurt, and Iliana. And of course, the last one just launched a thousand shippers on the internet. Uh, and then Kate gets a tattoo, which was spoiled by the cover. And of course, kisses
3: the cute manic pixie tattoo artist. I love this issue. Yeah, it was a great issue. Um, okay, so. The queer in the room let's talk about it. so uh, Kitty Kate, sorry my apologies finally actually had some sort of bisexual experience on panel, which is huge. Um, and it's some random like tattoo artist that gives terrible tattoos but um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty excited about it that they can just they can just be done with it because everyone has been, alluding to it over these years and everyone thinks it's maybe happened with Rachel maybe it's happened with Ileana. 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 like it's always been alluded to and it's just nice to see it on panel and so like especially with that happening at the tail end of it after a bunch of these characters were reissued in, like reintroduced in this issue it was it was just nice reassuring even like her and Emma sort of have a vibe now which I sort of love yeah. It, it's just nice to put it all to bed. Also, how dare you? Uh it's not the tattoo artist's fault. It's Kate has bad ooh, tattoo she, ideas. Oh, she got bad taste. Oh, can we talk about her hair, hair
0: ideas? It looks like she cut her own hair. That it's I,
2: Yeah, I thought the artwork was beautiful this issue, except for that hair. I was very yeah. very fresh. That
1: that's like 80s I, Kate hair.
2: I but, love it. But but
3: thanks. <laughs> You know what it looks like? You know Katya from RuPaul's Drag Race. It's yes. like a round cut of that. Honestly, yeah. Her- oh. You know, what it looks like she looks like Allison Brie in uh in a glow. Yeah, I think, but I I th- I like I like her in this because it's obvious that she just does not have good hair, and so they drew that correctly. What, like she looks cool as hell. Like
0: no, she doesn't. Days, she there,
1: they've got that '80s hair now.
0: She took yeah. like she took all of her bangs and then cut straight across. And then it opened up and she had a bad bang cut. I hate you know, that. that's
4: just a lot of Vaseline that she had. And it's all like pushed back and really <laughs> fucked it, up and shiny. It's a dairy curl. Yeah.
0: <laughs> My
4: uh, favorite it, thing
3: about the, the this issue. When, when she's getting resurrected, it's basically just giving her a jerry curl the entire time she's yeah. in it. <laughs> into it. She's into constantly it. drowning, but getting a dairy curl as it's happening.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. My favorite thing about this issue was was Emma Frost talking about her love of horses when we all know she murdered Butter Rum. (laughs) (laughs)
1: That fucking monster. Good point. All right, let's move on. X-Factor number three. Of course, the team, Sans and they're still in Mojo World. And of course, they run into Shatterstar, who's the top live streamer in this realm. Because of course he is. Daken and Aurora awkwardly flirt and we find out why Daken never wears a shirt but he's wearing one this time. This of course leads to the worst pun that Adam Kasari has never made and the issue ends with Storm, Mystique, Domino, and Psylocke being transported to Mojo World with some heavy artillery. What was the pun that was made? Uh, It was uh, Angora was the name was the uh, name of the shirt and he's like I thought your name was Aurora and it's like uh, i was like adam what were you doing?
2: I, yeah i i took my clothes off i was ready to have sex with doc because he's so charming um he's not but i thought this <laughs> issue was was a step up certainly from the past two. i know it's been on a roller coaster ride i know we've been saying let's kind of wait on it and i guess it's been a roller coaster ride that only went down um but i feel like it's on its way back up i i definitely connected a little bit more with this i still think Polaris is off. I feel like that's like a big thing for all of us, especially because Clark is one of your favorite characters. Um, But in general, I'm like, okay, it's stabilizing. So I'll see where I want to continue to see where this goes. And it it felt like a better issue overall. I almost, it almost feels like they just needed a couple more issues after the quote unquote pilot, which really it was the first issue before they got to the storyline. If they had just had a couple more like slice of life things before they got to a multi-issue thing that involved Shatterstar, I'd be, I'd be a lot more interested right now. Clark?
4: I don't really mind that Polaris is off anymore because this entire book is off to the point where I, not that I understand what hap- what's happening. It's happening in really boring, un- just not exciting ways. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's really bad. I, I, I don't I, think it's better than the last issue. I don't think it's better than the issue before that. I think it's just, tr- it's just trash.
3: I, I can understand where you're coming from. I, the voices are definitely off, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it's as bad as like earlier runs that we've seen. I, I think it's better than that. I, I did one thing that made me squeal a little bit was uh, a reference to Wind Dancer, even though she is a corpse. Um, I, it, it was nice to see her back. People have been calling her for her return for a long time. Since like the New Mutants uh, series, like many many years ago, it was the early two thousands, I want to say. So it was nice, at least a reference to her, and maybe she could possibly get some more screen time in the future when she's resur- resurrected or whatever. I'm I'm enjoying the cast, and the plot's okay, and the character development's okay, but the cast itself works for me.
4: Let me quickly talk ask about Wind Dancer. So she's a mutant again.
3: No, in the in one of the recap things or one of the info pages, it said she was depowered, but for some yeah, okay. reason they well, still want to eat her. Yeah,
4: that means we can't resurrect her. <laughs> she's a she's a human. She can't be resurrected.
3: But but they can resurrect depowered ones into having powers again, right? Yeah. No, you enough. have you right. have
4: to one of the you have, to die. you have to die in that weird arena situation yeah, in order you, to yeah. then be resurrected and mm-hmm. then it. crucible
1: it's with
3: uh, with apocalypse
4: apocalypse
3: well then, then just throw her corpse in there then so she can <laughs> get yeah, resurrected
0: i thought it was because she had been logged in cerebro by that point as being having the her mutant powers so like her dying in battle or in that arena it's the arena itself isn't special but there was no log of this girl. What? Mm-hmm. Maybe. She
4: hasn't had mutant powers in what, 15 years worth of comics? Wait, but, but
3: in Marvel the Universe, that's like a three. year and a half. That's yeah, like two weeks. But <laughs> I don't know, I don't know.
4: I,
0: don't I know. hope
3: she's back and she's repacked. It
4: doesn't work with everything they've already said, I know that much.
0: Brett? I think there's just so much of this that's, um, it's messy and we talked about it last week how they didn't really get the character voices right. But like, I also think kind of structurally, I love this idea of Shatterstar kind of being in this position where now he's forced to be a kind of grandstanding uh, violent fighter and he doesn't really want it. And the Verse has got this awful machine that's just kind of creating uh, fighters and they kind of deal with it a little bit but I don't feel like it was in depth it kind of seemed rushed, right. over and it kind of seemed unrelated to what was really going on um uh,
1: i like this book okay i don't like it as much as adam and ryan and i definitely like it more than clark but i think it was a mistake for them to go into mojo world so quickly uh i think you know the first issue fine set the premise i like that they did it in you know 22 pages however long it was and then I think they could have done more, like kind of, um, for lack of a better term, mundane adventures about right. finding mutants around around Earth. Uh, and then I think maybe ten issues, eight issues into it, they'd go to Mojo World. But yeah. them starting off with Mojo World, it's disorienting to me. Uh, it's just, it's just, it's too. I like Mojo World just fine. I think it's a wacky concept, but like I think you have to build some some foundation to get to that wackiness, and Lee Williams just got into the wackiness completely. Anything else on X-Factor, or can we move on to X-Force? No.
4: Okay.
1: X-Force number 12, now in the previous issue, the Cerebro Sword was stolen, and Quentin Choir was kidnapped by Mikhail Rasputin. Uh, and of course, the former, the, the sword itself, is going to be dealt with in uh, kind of swords. Uh, we're reintroduced to Zeno, and of course, they're going to fight with Mikhail, the latter ultimately prevails, and you want Zeno, uh, to do to Quentin what they did with Domino, which is doing the skin grafts so they can uh, get some of his powers, uh, which is super, super fucking creepy. Oh, and Omega Red is still around, but I'm not sure if this is before <laughs> or after. Dracula <laughs> put Wolverine on ice. Yeah, uh, uh, Black, Black Tom and Beast uh, uh, show up to apprehend him. Uh, X-Force heads back to the Savage Land to bring Colossus uh, back to Krakoa for some questioning. Uh, turns out Beast is one hell of a bastard because he doesn't trust any mutant with Russian ties. And Wolverine brings Jean back to mind read both Colossus and Mega Rad because she's the only slam piece of his that he trusts. right. <laughs> this? Oh, yeah.
0: I hate Beast. I hate Beast. <laughs> Yay! You're supposed to. You're supposed he is to. the He's dumbest smart person I've ever seen. What an idiot. Does he not understand the concept of like being actually, you know, uh, convicted of a crime versus just being a random person who's now accused of some criminal activity from a vague association about where you're from. Like we're really questioning Colossus now. We're really taking him through, you know, the streets of uh, the Red Keep like uh <laughs> what what the fuck is this i am so glad that they gave that pause where i got to read his stupid dumb thinking so that we'll <laughs> punch him in the fucking stomach fuck beast I, is- I, I
4: oh no that's correct fuck beast no. i this i feel <laughs> like was 100 percent to me the worst issue of this series it mm. the the thought processes like you're B thought process didn't i didn't make any sense with colossus i didn't know why this was happening or why what was going on with him mattered i'm not i'm not quite sure what's going on with this purple woman
3: i'm calling her purple rain that's fine
4: i'm I'm into that
2: that's Um, like the that that relationship with colossus and the and purple rain is even worse than when like nightcrawler and rachel hooked up in the guggenheim it's like none of it makes any (laughs) sense i don't know who this person is and it's like all of a sudden it's like just because he's on the farmland he loves like all of it is just it did i agree i really like this series and and this i think you're exactly right clark this is the first issue where i was like did i are there issues that i missed like is there something there that i'm supposed to connect
0: a few more of these loose ends brent no it's they wanted it to be like like a foreign film where it's like some russian worker who's like on a farm and then he's carried away by the government police and a woman is screaming misha misha please don't <laughs> so weird necessary character that's supposed to create contrast and it only exists just so she can like oppose beast
3: they're gonna refrigerate her for sure it- well, no, it's it's stupid because you're like, why are you blaming the non-confrontational guy that's been on the X-Men the entire time? Why not the purple girl that we don't know her name, know anything about her, <laughs> wrap her up in Vines and bring her through the fucking portal? She's obviously a mutant or has purple powers or whatever, but like, it's so stupid. Um, th- with that said, this characterization is off, but, but that's because Beast is so stupid that it does fit somehow still.
1: (laughs) So I think what they're trying to do here, because remember the whole premise is X-Force of the CIA of Krakoa, is uh, to show um, Beast doing some very despicable things in order to protect the homeland. Yeah. He's setting up his own uh, ice, basically. It's like, oh, if you've got ties to, um, you know, to this country, we don't really trust you we're going to bring you back even though he and colossus have known each other for years it just seemed so uh, why it seemed out of character but i think this is the plot that benjamin first trying to tell it just feels a little
3: clumsy yep. why little is iliana not locked up too she's also russian and i, talking, I would say good luck else. good luck everyone no else on uh you uh, she's got immunity because she's a captain that's the reason why oh my god that's fucked up
0: Look, if they had a scene where like, instead of him gathering everyone around the portal to come look at this, <laughs> it's more that he was like walking him a longer distance than maybe he should have. So random people would have seen it, but it wasn't literally everyone in fucking. <laughs> yeah, I would have I thought that that's a little bit more, it's a little bit more insidious. Maybe if we saw him do it with a different character, right? he's like rounding up anyone who has any Russian relations. But to me, it's like, it's, it's too, it's too obvious. It's going, it's going to that, that bill. I love the idea of building like an ice in this world, but.
2: It literally looked like he was being provided exactly. to a birthday party. Like when the, the panel of him <laughs> were coming through, yeah. like it looked like they were all there for a <laughs> celebration. I was like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's move on to uh, the Empire uh, aftermaths. There's two issues. One was Empire Aftermath. The second was Empire Fallout. So really quickly, the first one is, uh, Raquel in the best Doctor Doom cosplay I've ever seen taunts her grandson, uh, Teddy from her prison cell. They're all gonna laugh at you, she said. Uh, Billy Mm -hmm. and Teddy are married for real in an intergalactic Jewish ceremony. Captain America regrets not trading the Young Avengers while Tony Stark still pines for the 50 state initiative. And Agent Brand quits Alpha Flight because Carol Danvers forgot to CC her on an email about the body. <laughs> we get an adorable Young Avengers reunion, and the issue ends with a flash forward where Teddy says he should have listened to Nana all along. And Agent Brand appears with a new do, a new look, and a new attitude. Okay, the attitude is not so new. Um, and then part two, Empire Fallout, on the blue side of the moon. The heroes try to figure out where the Katati got all those wonderful toys. The profiteer returns to assess them weapons and tries to reclaim the Korean Skrull kiddos that we saw way back when. Uh-uh, turns out Teddy is more of a contract boy than Ryan Krull. He says, Bish, the Korean Skrull empires are no more. There's only the Alliance. They need a better name. Ben Grimm and Alicia decide to adopt the precocious children, thereby setting up the, new, the newest Disney Plus sitcom, The Thing of Queens. Oh, and it turns out that... <laughs> And <laughs> it turns out that Uatu was hanging out in the watcher on the wall's eye this whole
0: time. What do we think? Did anyone else like these a lot more than the rest of Empire? Oh yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it just seemed like there like even if I got less character interaction with each individual person, I felt like I was listening to distinct voices rather than the same writer putting text to everyone just to move the story along yeah yeah it's a little bit silly to have a fight at this wedding but you know it's a kind of nice recovery for one there to be this tradition you know you you don't have a good wedding unless there's a fight at it and two that like emperor hulkling is able to say you guys get back to get back to partying it felt so in character I think both of these just did a much better job than the rest of the series of balancing a large number of, of of cast members. Kalen?
1: well, like I said all along, you know, the miniseries started off strong, kind of like wavered a little bit, and then kind of weak ended kind of weakly. But what I'm excited about is this new status quo. They need a new better name, but the alliance is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I like that it's completely like changed the uh, order of the of the universe in Marvel. Um, And I'm excited to see what cosmic storylines come as a result of it. Because I know Guardians are going to deal with it. We reviewed that last week. Um, And, you know, Fantastic Four are going to deal with it. And hopefully the Avengers deal with it. Adam?
2: This definitely solidified for me that I just don't find the Fantastic Four very... I think it's... With (laughs) Supergirl Ren, I think the stories are... Like, the characters are just... I just don't really care about them for some reason. Maybe I think it's the family. I just don't like that they're a family. It just seems all like, uh, I'm over this, uh, but I, I agree with uh, whatever he was saying, where, and I think we've talked about how crossovers can be a big problem because there's just, the tie-in don't really do a lot, and then the main issues are just giant action movies, but only the climax of the action movie, essentially, yeah. which, which is great, but like, it'd be, it would be, it would have been so nice to read Empire for like a year, Like, every single issue was about it. Um, So, but in general, I I did think it wrapped up really nicely. I loved all of the sort of what's coming next, uh, and it does make me want to read a lot of that stuff. Clark?
4: I'm very excited for Abigail Brand and uh, bringing S.W.O.R.D. back instead of the fucking Alpha Flight nonsense that's been going on in Captain Marvel, because there was a five-issue miniseries of S.W.O.R.D. that was fucking amazing, but that thing died on the vine. Uh, I also, it's interesting that when Iwatu shows up um, in Fantastic Four, um, where whatever, Reckoning, Fallout, excuse me, um, they talk about the, re- it brings up the reckoning, which is Dan Slott has been trying to create this reckoning war as this huge storyline for like the past fast 18 years, starting with S.H.I.E.L.D., and he constantly brings it up. So the fact that that's the end of this issue has to mean that that's where he's headed at the very least.
3: I, I I will say it just felt it felt so weird. It felt like the entire crossover was a prequel series before something is actually gonna happen though. Because yeah. if that's the ending, like if that's the preview for the the future, I'm like, why don't we see that story instead? That seems a lot more interesting, personally. And also, who's coming through that gate at the end? It's trinary, it looks like. Are those mutants? I was wondering if... Well, well, her
4: insignia looks like an X, but it also literally
1: is a sword as well. Uh, yeah,
3: everything's a sword right Maybe now. Maybe it's a tennis sword.
1: swords? Okay. All right, so on the other side of the galaxy, we have Web of Venom, Wraith. It's written by Donny Cates, our favorite writer, illustrated by Guyu Villanova, and it's scored by Ennio Morricone. Uh, we get a bit of an origin for the Wraith, the child of a Cree scientist who was orphaned at a young age. The Wraith ends up at Clintar Null's planet, where he encounters... Uh, a school of venom sperm. Uh, he, of course, tussles with Null, gets his ass kicked, gets his foot stolen, and is thrown into a mysterious light. Uh, and he ends up on Earth to look for Eddie Brock to warn him about Null's opposite, a, gu- a god of light. Brent?
0: Yeah, so we haven't seen th- this character, Wraith. We've, we haven't we don't know him, right? Like, no, we, we know him. You you know
4: yeah. He, oh, you, you know him. Okay. No, you know him. You saw him in two issues of Guardians of the Galaxy. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. was the one that
0: looked like him. Yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot. That's no. it's like meeting someone at a party.
1: Uh and he's he's literally modeled on the man with no name from like with Clint Eastwood, yeah, uh, like Good, Bad, the Ugly, all those movies. I, I'm I, sure
0: if I went back and saw them side by side, yeah, I'd remember. But I was going to say that even my with my forgetting, uh, I think that this shows to me how great Donny Cates is at taking people who you might not remember and really filling them out in a way that feels both um, interesting and, um, you know, it, it leaves a lot of mystery to it. Um, Kalen? The, the reason
1: why is the Wraith is not a very good character. Right. He's a complete cipher. He's a very cool visual uh, that's had no real personality. So the fact that you forgot him, not a big deal. Uh, so Donny Cates can do what he wants, and he this whole issue I, I I liked it kind of, but it was very plot heavy. Like I didn't care about any of the characters until we got to Eddie Brock at the very end, and he's like on the last page. So it is a nice setup to what they're doing with Null in in the Venom books, but um, I just don't care.
2: This is a one shot, right? Or was are there? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean it accomplished up... what it was supposed to. Sorry, Clark. Go ahead. You're right.
4: There have been a ton of web web of venom. Excuse me, web of venom one shots. This is the first one we've actually read. But I've I've read quite a few, and they're all kind of like that. They're very plot heavy in order to start steering us into different directions. There were a couple before. Um, God, what's his name? Cletus Cassidy. What's the what's his the uh, the carnage plot line? There were a couple ones that dug dug right into that. That were basically plot heavy characterization light just to get us where we needed to be without even us not reading it, knowing that it existed.
1: Um, all right, so our last book going over to DC and I know I'm the only one who loves DC, Ryan. Let's make this quick. Okay, we've got Dark Knight's Death Metal Trinity Crisis. Do we have enough titles for this book? Now, for two things that DC loves, it's trinities and it's crises. Wonder Woman and her team of heroes discovered that Perpetua is being powered by three perpetual crises that are happening in the dark multiverse. The Crisis on Infinite Earths, which got rid of the multiverse. The Infinite Crisis, which brought back the multiverse, well, 52 universes. And the final crisis, which had something to do with perpetual DC end boss Darkseid. Gyro gets his jar again. Harley Quinn bonds with Jonah Hex, who ends up having a permadeath. The heroes fight more bat- analogs including Black Monday, a Solomon Grundy Batman arc. Arkham Asylum as a person. Cull, Batman, and Wonder Woman's daughter, and the Pearl, uh, Martha Wayne, in a diver suit. Superman punches Barbados, the Robin King gets to act all creepy, and the Trinity ends up in the different crises. Batman goes to the Crisis on Infinite Earths, Superman heads to the Final Crisis, and Wonder Woman ends up at the Infinite Crisis. Of course, this being a big event, everything is a bit off, and the issue ends with the return of Superboy Prime, the big bad from Infinite Crisis, as well as several other DC events. Brent, you have a lot of things to say.
0: If you say the word crisis one more goddamn time, I'm going to blow my brains out. Welcome to being a
1: decent fan. Oh,
0: my God. Name it something else. Come on, guys.
4: That's all too
3: much. It's like that was seven times as long as every one of your other recaps. Kalen, I tried to read this. I tried. I definitely tried. Like, I, I was researching all the characters. I was trying to figure the fuck out what was going on, and I was so fucking lost. I have no idea. This isn't a normal crossover. This is too much. Their continuity is too crazy, too crazy. That's like friends with you, Ryan. <laughs> I know. You're right.
1: Adam, do you, do you have something to say?
3: Yeah, I did. Uh, I am still. I'm like
2: barely holding on, but I'm still kind of enjoying it. Uh, I do think it's. It feels like it's oddly moving fast while not moving at all. But because they always inter- they keep introducing like the next MacGuffin, which I think is always really interesting. Um, but what I, what I found really funny is to Ryan, to your point, I went back and I was like, well, let me just, let me re-familiarize myself with these crises. Not that I read through all of them anyway, but I used to love reading Wikipedia entries. So I went back and like the first two generally made sense when I could remember final crisis, which is the one that happened most recently. I was just like reading through it and I did Morrison write it or no, ooh, who was it? Ooh, it was. Ooh. And it, I mean, it does blend in with Morrison well, cause I was just like, what the fuck is even happening reading the simple wikipedia entry on what was happening (laughs) imagine reading it
1: as it was coming out i'm like i think i like it but
2: jesus it's like bodies particles are using for this to open up the w gate to then turn into that to watch out because this person from a dimension's coming in
1: (laughs) is wild no, it's definitely Morrison on like his one of his bigger asset trips in a while. Um, but I look, I, obviously, I'm this is sort of written for me. I love the idea of um, These, these sort of events uh, happening over and over again to power uh, The big bad of this event. I think there's something super meta about it that I like that it works well in DC and almost nowhere else would it work.
2: No, I will say I agree with that. Like, you can tell how it is, like, like, having knowledge of it, even though I don't know all the details, I'm like, oh, this is actually really well layered together, where even though they keep rebooting themselves, they do keep growing this mythos over and over. The only thing I realized today while reading the comic, though, I'm like, obviously, Earth is really important, as it always is in everything we do, but I'm like, each of these multiverses and then each of the dark multiverses also have, like, the entirety of space, and I just love how it's just like, nope, Earth is really the only focus.
1: <laughs> it's true. All right, anything else on uh, Dark Knight's Death
0: Metal Trinity Crisis? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Got it? All right, guys, uh, be sure to check out our Crossing Swords podcast, crossover event starting September 21st. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram at Homeless Superior Podcast twitter at homo superior x thanks for joining homo superior where every week you can hear brent and kalen relay interesting topics like court stenographers you guys are big fat bitches thanks for listening